The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Biden lost a lot of goodwill. He lost a lot of the trust that was given to him at the outset of this year. The Democratic Party can't find its way back to the JFK days because it's so far over to the left. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. People generally don't have a favorable view of Congress, but they do of their own congressmen. It's got to be something that all 50 senators, every single 50 senator can support. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe. Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. At least the government is not shutting down at midnight. That I can tell you. Otherwise, we are still deep in the woods of the debate around infrastructure, reconciliation, and yes, the debt ceiling. But let's not go too far here. It's been a long day in Washington. It is far from over. With votes still to be cast, they say, on the bipartisan infrastructure bill that insiders say could roll into the wee hours. We'll find out together here on Bloomberg Radio. It's a good thing we have the panel today. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us for the hour. And later, we'll hear from both sides of the aisle with Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Democratic Congressman Andy Levin of Michigan on the fastest hour in politics. We do have a lot to cover, so let's start at the top. A government funding bill that will keep operations running past midnight, keep the lights on. Friday has passed both chambers of Congress and is now heading for the president's desk. We are very, very proud of this legislation, and I now have the honor of signing it. And when I do, it will then go to the president of the United States for his signature. Thank you. Speaker Nancy Pelosi with the golf applause and a formal enrollment ceremony signing the bill that passed 245-175 just about an hour or so ago. So we're good on that until the beginning of December. We cross one off the list, one crisis averted. So are we good on infrastructure, Madam Speaker? Think positively, okay? Okay. Speaker Pelosi made the comment in a briefing with reporters this morning. I was in the room when she was asked, will there be a vote today, repeatedly asked, on infrastructure? Yes. Regardless of whether we have the vote. I intend to, I don't, we're on a path to win the vote. I don't want to even consider any options other than that. That's just the way it is, and that's, that's our culture. You don't understand that culture, you don't understand that culture. But that's our culture. We go in it to win it. Well, it still hasn't happened, for a lot of reasons. And one of them is reconciliation, suddenly confused as if it was not already, by remarks today from Joe Manchin. I was also there in the scrum, right outside of the Senate, bottom of the stairs, when the gentleman from West Virginia finally gave us a price tag. My top line has been 1.5 because I believe in my heart that what we can do and what the needs we have right now and what we can afford to do without basically changing our whole society to an entitlement mentality. Did you hear that? 1.5, he said. Trillion. 1.5 trillion less than half the number progressives have been looking for. And those progressives are still threatening to sink the infrastructure bill as a result. Now again, it's still on track 
to get a vote tonight or really early tomorrow, but the speaker could still pull it. And you saw all of this coming if you listen to this broadcast. So about the White House. We just heard a short time ago from Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Here's what we know. Uh, we know that timelines help make progress. We've seen that play out over the course of the last couple of days. We know that compromise is inevitable. We've also seen that play out over the last couple of days. And right now, we're clearly in the thick of it. In the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Oh, yes, we are. Into the thick of it. Ugh. Ugh is right. But we can't see two people we need to talk to at this moment in time, Rick and Jeannie. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis here for the hour. Hopefully someone out there has kids and they know the backyardigans. Welcome to both of you. Jeannie, let's start here. Do you actually think we get a vote on infrastructure? And does it matter if it passes or fails? Could there be opportunities on both ends for Democrats? I love the music. Do know the backyardigans. Thank you, Joe. That's a, <laughs> it brought a smile to my face. Um, you know, I, I think if you believe what Nancy Pelosi said and she will not hold a vote if she doesn't have the votes, that we're not going to see that happen today. Could she do it to make a statement? Sure. But as far as we can count and we know, she simply does not have the votes. And mm-hmm. Joe Manchin's statement today or his, you know, the understanding of where his top line is, is a 1.5 trillion isn't going to help matters. You know, I do think that today is, uh, we know it's an arbitrary deadline. They can come back. They could do it again. In fact, the deadline, as I remember, was the 27th on Monday. That came and went. Now we're at Thursday. So, you know, can they do it again? Yes. But there is also truth to the fact that the longer this goes on, the harder it gets. And that's the reality. It could be Thursday. It could also be early Friday. One thing we know is you're not going to have many Republicans on it. Kevin McCarthy. I think the majority of overwhelming amount of our members are going to vote no because they don't view it as an infrastructure bill. He held a briefing directly after Nancy Pelosi did. Rick Davis, can Democrats do this alone, I guess, is the first question. Will there be enough moderates to make up for the progressives? And so what if it fails? Can't they do this again later? Uh, wow, that's a lot of wood to cut, and I'm still <laughs> trying to get over the uh, backyard again. Backyard again, <laughs> exactly. Great um, at least it's not Nikki. Uh, we didn't do that to you. There's no Nikki Minaj this whole Minaj. hour, Rick. I yeah, promise. there you go. I'm, I'm just getting through that one. Uh, look, I mean, one, uh, they're going to try and get all the Democrats, but obviously the progressives aren't aren't going for it. Uh, even Steny Hoyer, uh, the you know House Majority Leader, was very questionable as to whether they could win this vote. <laughs> yes, so, he was. Um, so I don't think he shares Nancy Pelosi's like optimism. Uh, mm-hmm. The reality, though, is there are a dozen Republicans who will cross the aisle. I mean, uh, the Minority Leader there is is just wrong to think he can get all the Republicans go. They, there are a lot of Republicans who like infrastructure, and that's the reason this this bill is popular and passed the House uh, or passed the Senate by a over sixty votes. So. Uh, I, I do think there might be some construction of a of a possible eke out of a win. Uh, they only need one vote uh, to uh, over 50. And uh, so that's probably what Pelosi's trying to leverage. But, boy, she's got her work cut out for her. It's going to be a long night. Uh, I, I've, I've lost a lot of bets saying she was going to fail. And so <laughs> I'm not going to make a bet on that one tonight. Well, so but is there a chance to do it again, Rick, if it fails Can you bring it back in a month or two when reconciliation is ready or do they get one shot at this? 
You know, the, the, the problem is, and you pointed it out, Joe, is that uh, the longer these things lay around, the less likely they are that they're going to pass. And nothing can uh, spoil a bill's popularity than losing a vote, uh, especially when you control the majority. So I think this is a high-risk strategy if she walks this vote out and she doesn't win it. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, if you're uh, progressives, you're going to be emboldened by that and then go to war with the Senate Democrats because they're not uh, agreeing to your reconciliation package. And it just creates a bigger divide, not a smaller one. Jeannie, would have been different today if Joe Manchin said two and a half trillion. I mean, are we really basing this entire flow on a top line number that most people can't describe uh, what's inside? I think it would have made a bit of a difference, perhaps along the edges, but I don't think it would have changed substantially. You know, it's easier for uh, progressives to get to 2.5 than to get down to 1.5 for certain. Um, But, you know, I don't think it would have changed it substantially because let's not forget for progressives and rightly so, they feel like the 2.5, 3.5 rather was already a compromise down from the six. So for them (laughs) to think about a 1.5 is one sixth of what they originally wanted in this bill. So I think that that for them would be, you know, to a pill that they just couldn't swallow at this point. And I do think there are substantial questions to be asked as we go forward to both the Democratic leadership and to the administration about whether, in fact, this policy or this, you know, approach of keeping these bills coupled as they did for so long was a problem to begin with. Because as Rick was just saying, you've got emboldened progressives now who are unwilling to support and give the president a win, which is on this hard infrastructure bill. And so I think we're going to have to see, you know, it was a strategy. It makes some sense. But if they end up not getting anything out of this there is going to be a lot of explaining to do rick we were talking this out a little bit in the newsroom earlier would it not be machiavellian a somewhat effective strategy for republicans to pass this infrastructure bill to stick it to the progressives would that not put the democrats in an even more awkward situation if they passed infrastructure tonight well the the one thing that you got to consider for republicans is their number one overriding uh Uh, interest, and that is to win in the midterms and take control of the House. The reality is the most damage they could do would be to have this infrastructure fail because it's the moderates districts that they are most likely to flip. They won't flip any of these progressives districts, right? There aren't Republicans that can survive those. But in almost every one of these uh, moderate districts at that that the Democrats occupy, there had been Republicans in those seats. And so Republican caucus wants it back. So frankly, they kind of win-win. Uh, it would stick it to the, the progressives if they could pass infrastructure, and Republicans will spend not one second worried about mm-hmm. taking credit for that. You're but right. then if they uh, lose that fight and, and infrastructure goes down, it's a perfect thing to go back to those districts and say, see, these guys couldn't get it done, and we can. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Does Kevin McCarthy need to go back to the drawing board on this? Jeannie, he might have time. He, he might want, you know, people may want him to. I don't see Kevin McCarthy doing that. I think he he's very interested in sticking it to Nancy Pelosi and not giving her or Democrats a win on this. I, I don't see him doing that. But, you know, to this point about the uh, 
upcoming midterm election. I was listening to Carolyn Bordeaux, the, or Bordeaux, the Georgia 7th, the only Democrat to flip a seat in 2020. And she made a really important point that progressives have got to listen to. She won on fiscal responsibility and a bipartisan message. And she's the only Democrat to flip a district in 2020. Yeah. So for, for, you know, Nancy Pelosi, for these, you know, progressives want to win here, but they've got to recognize the loss that is coming to them potentially in 22 if they don't at least get hard infrastructure and play with these moderates. You know, Joe Manchin is right when he says they don't have the numbers. If they want to do something this big, they've got to elect more progressives. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Headline on the terminal, Pelosi pushes for infrastructure vote, defying liberals' threats. Indeed, progressives threaten to defeat the bill. They could vote on it at some point tonight or tomorrow morning. They're going to start dragging cots into the bureau here. This is going to be like a 4 a.m. situation, according to the the folks that we are talking with as Pramila Jayapal who I mention every day, the head of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, said after a meeting with Pelosi today, quote, we will not be able to vote for the infrastructure bill until the reconciliation bill has passed, unquote. Nothing has changed. Joining us to talk about this whole process and an important hearing today on Capitol Hill with regard to Facebook, this story you likely heard about on the terminal. Internal study about the impact of Instagram on young teenage girls. We're going to get through all of this right now. With Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee. Senator, it's great to have you, and I appreciate your being with us on a wild day in Washington. I actually almost bumped into you at one point in the halls <laughs> of the Senate this afternoon as we were trying to get some news here. But let me just start by asking you about this economic agenda. I will give you credit for being consistent. You voted against the bipartisan infrastructure bill when it was in the Senate, and I have a feeling that you're against this whole thing that's happening now in the House. Why did you vote no to begin with? Well, I voted no to begin with because when I talk to Tennesseans, they want to see money for roads and bridges and highways. They want funding for railways, runways, 
rivers. They want to see money for broadband, but they do not consider money for unions, money for the Green New Deal, uh, money for human infrastructure to be what they want to see in a surface transportation or an infrastructure yeah. bill. Was it because you saw them tied together or the, or specifically the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill itself you had problems with? I had problems with the bill itself, but you start putting all that together. And what they're doing is using that bill to escalate spending. And look at the amount of spending that they've already done. Look at the amount of debt and uh, when I came to Congress and started looking at the uh, debt, or even before then, when I was in the state legislature in Tennessee, we have a balanced budget amendment, of course, for the state legislature. And I would look at the the federal budget, and I would go, my goodness, five trillion, six trillion, eight trillion. George Bush leaves office; it's ten point six trillion. Barack Obama comes in; they nearly double the debt. President Trump adds uh, some to it. COVID adds to it. And where does the spending stop? And where does managing that debt and managing being a good steward of taxpayer dollars, where is that going to kick in? You just named a lot of administrations, Senator. They all have something in common. And so I'll ask you this before we move on to Facebook. The matter of the debt ceiling. I understand Republicans are not touching this, but why not use it as an opportunity to engage or to use it as leverage, for instance, to engage in a conversation about debt reduction. We have in so many times uh, brought up the issue of debt reduction, whether it had to do with the debt ceiling or whether it was separate as we were looking at either budgeting or appropriations. And it is just so interesting to me that when you say let's do a 1% across the board cut in all of our discretionary spending, I think the most votes I ever got on the House floor for one of those amendments was 153 votes to make even a penny cut in every dollar that was appropriated. So this is an issue where the American people are going to have to stand up and say enough is enough and really back up those of us that continue to push for budgeting, appropriating, and spending reform. I'll throw you one more. I don't know if you're in touch with your colleagues Senators uh, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, but are they are are they doing the right thing by holding up this bill the way they are? Do you respect the approach they're taking, and do you think they should be part of the Republican Party? <laughs> we have a very big tent on our side, and we welcome those that want to stand for fiscal responsibility, uh, individual liberty, a strong national defense, and we're always welcome. I that One of the things I enjoy about the Republican Party is the diversity in that party, and I see it so many times when I'm out across the state, and I have a lot of respect for them just saying, no, the bill's too expensive, we can't afford it, and no, we don't want to vote for it. And I think people have to realize we come here to represent the people that elected us and sent us here. 
And what we're hearing from them is that individuals in Arizona and West Virginia are not for Joe Biden's agenda. Instead of building back better, what Joe Biden is doing is building back broke because inflation is running rampant. The market is down. The economic indicators are not good for him. I think I just heard an ad go by. I will say your comments do it. They're big tents on both sides. Your comments remind me of something that uh, Jim McGovern, Congressman, uh, Democratic Congressman from Massachusetts, said to us last week. If this were Europe, we'd have 14 different parties here, but we're jamming all these people into two parties, Senator, and they just don't always agree, do they? Mm-hmm. Well, they you don't always have agreement, but I think it's important to realize that our nation and liberty and freedom's cause have been well served by having robust, respectful, bipartisan debate, and then at the end of the day, deciding how is best to move forward for the country so that we pass freedom and freedom's opportunities on to the next generation. We're talking with Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. I want to ask you about something that uh, I, I have to admit, it's pretty amazing to see Democrats and Republicans come together on, and that's the matter of Facebook, this hearing that you held today. I'm a parent like you are, Senator, and it's, it's got a lot of our attention. Parents, investors, this hits a lot of people. The headline I read on the terminal, Facebook prioritizes greed over children. You were up there with your Democratic colleagues in an important hearing today, the Senate Commerce Committee's Consumer Protection Panel, upon which you are the ranking member. Listen to Senator Blackburn from earlier today. Aspects of Instagram exacerbate each other to create a perfect storm. And that perfect storm manifests itself in the minds of teenagers in the form of intense social pressure, addiction, body image issues, eating disorders, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. Senator Blackburn was quoting Facebook's own internal report as she was reading from the copy there. And I understand that a pause on Instagram for kids that has come from that report, Senator, is not doing enough for you. What should Facebook do now that we've seen this information when it comes to appealing to young people? Facebook, first of all, needs to say, yes, indeed, this is our uh, research, which, of course, we know it is. There's a whistleblower which has brought the research to us. And then secondly, they need to say, we're going to put the interest of children first. What we have found out is that Facebook is um, marketing to and pulling onto their Instagram platform children as young as eight years old. And they have done research work looking at the type of online digital experience that children under age 13 are interested in having. Now, because of the Children's Online Privacy Act, Facebook is not to market to or allow on their platform anyone under 13 years of age. We also have found out that they are data mining children that are online, these 13 to 18-year-olds. They're data mining them. And we were really disappointed that the witness today would not answer my question as to what they are, why they're collecting that data, Mm -hmm. how long do they hold that data, 
How are they conducting the data mining? How are they building a virtual image of that child when they are on online? And do they do this with parental consent and knowledge? And they're really not able to answer that question. And we know from the whistleblower documents that we've seen, they don't answer that question because we've caught them red-handed. We've caught them doing this. And uh, even though they were saying that they uh, have a parental consent form signed, they were not able to tell me who could supply that form or what the form consisted of, or um, they just said they would take the request back mm-hmm. uh, that we would like to see that form. I said, no, we want that form submitted in the record. I know not everyone is going to agree on this, Senator, but what do you want to see happen? You told Facebook today, we don't trust you. Does this end up in increased regulation through the form of legislation? Well, we are already um, preparing, and Senator Blumenthal and I worked together uh, last Congress when I chaired the Technology Task Force at Judiciary Committee, where we each have a seat, and then we each have a seat at Commerce Committee, and he is the chairman of Consumer Protection, and I'm the ranking member of that subcommittee. So we are working on the issue of online privacy. There is now a push to move forward with an online privacy bill, which would be a federal standard, uh, have some federal preemption in it, which is needed. That's a good thing. There's also a need for a federal data security standard. There are Section 230 reforms that are needed. And, of course, we have some issues on antitrust that Senator Blumenthal and I are working on. We have the Open Market Apps Bill, which is a product that came out of the Apple Epic Games um, issue that that lawsuit is we looked at it and the ability to uh, limit the app store's ability to preference their payment systems Mm -hmm. and to block the purchaser of an app from having direct uh, contact with the innovator of that app. Like I said, this is important to our listeners, not just investors, but also parents and Senator Marshall Blackburn We'd love to stay in touch with you on where this goes. Thanks for being with us today. Republican from Tennessee with us on Bloomberg Sound On. I should note Facebook stock today down a fraction, a little less than a quarter. Closed just over $339, 52-week high, 384 It's been falling largely since that internal report was released. We turn to Congressman Andy Levin. As I mentioned, a Democrat from Michigan who's in the center of all this right now. Congressman, welcome. It's great to have you back on Bloomberg Radio. I guess I should just start with the obvious. Do you think there will be an infrastructure vote tonight, and how will you vote? Well, I don't think there will, Joe Matthew, because, uh, you know, we you know we haven't had an agreement, and we need to have the president's agenda, the Build Back Better agenda, move through the Senate and we don't even know, you know, what what they're talking about over there. So uh, we, I'm all for the the infrastructure bill, 100 mm-hmm. percent for it. It doesn't have any deadline like today. We ha- we had to pass a, c- a continuing resolution or the government would shut down. And as you know, we have to find a solution pretty darn quickly for the debt ceiling or we'll risk the full faith and credit of the United States. 
the infrastructure bill, any deadline is just manufactured and artificial. I am for it. Every member of the Progressive Caucus is pledged to vote for the president's infrastructure bill. Mm -hmm. We just need the vast majority of his agenda, which is in the Build Back Better Act, to move through the Senate. And that's what we're looking for. Understood. Did Joe Manchin spoil the party then today? And if the top line is $1.5 trillion, does that fulfill the Biden agenda? No, it's not just that his his number was so low. It was so regressive on climate change issues. If you are talking about his little manifesto or his little memo. I mean, this is a person who represents a state with 1.79 million people. That is less than 40 percent of the population of of southeast Michigan. It's barely bigger than two of, of Michigan's 13 congressional districts on a going forward basis. And he is trying to dictate the whole thing. I mean, we are for the bipartisan uh, infrastructure bill, but we need to work together to fulfill the president's vision. You know, he came to the baseball game last night and he sat in the dugout with us. And I yeah. said to him, sir, we are fighting to get to get your fulsome vision for what needs to happen in this country for kids, for working women, for families. And he said, you know, he was so grateful. Jill Biden was in my district last Friday with Secretary Cardona. Uh, you know, talking about the free community college plan, which is my bill. And so we've got to see, do they include that in the Senate? We've got to make sure that child care for women so they can fully participate in all these good jobs is included, yeah. that Medicaid expansion to the, to the states that haven't had it, improvements to the Affordable Care Act and, and, and Medicare, um, you know, and, and so many other things are in here. And that actually the infrastructure bill by itself is climate change negative, whereas the Build Back Better Act includes the biggest action in U.S. history and legislation to finally get moving to deal with the problem of climate change. So these two bills are both great. We've got to pass them together, and that means we've got to have the Senate you know, really deal with the Build Back Better Act. If there is a vote this evening on infrastructure and it fails... Does that jeopardize the whole agenda, or will you be unmoved by that? I'll be unmoved by it because I tell you what, I'm ready to vote for it. I'm not kidding. We we support the infrastructure program. We just need for it to be paired with the bigger part of the president's agenda. You know, this the whole deadline around it and the timing is kind of a tempest in a teapot, and it's all sort of artificially created. I mean, nobody opposes it. In, in the Democratic Party. And there's just a few people in the party who have, you know, insisted, who don't support the president's bigger agenda, which is lifting people out of poverty, which is creating so many great union jobs by giving tax incentives for people who buy electric vehicles. Um, you know, the, the, the larger Build Back Better bill will be transformative for our country. And let me just mention something, Joe Matthew, just real practical politics. In the, la in the 40 years before Joe Biden became president, mm -hmm. Democrats controlled the presidency, the House, and the Senate for a grand total of four years, two with President Clinton and two with President Obama. Mm -hmm. I submit to you that we have not done enough during the times we were in control for the, to rebuild the American people's faith in government, that we can really deliver for them and make their life affordable cut their taxes, not the richest people's taxes. 
you know, make a college affordable for them. And if we do that right now, we can buck history and actually win in 2022, save our democracy and put our economy on a much healthier basis. Are you more upset with, and I don't mean to use the wrong word, more concerned with your moderate Democratic colleagues or Republicans in moving this agenda forward? We're spending so much time talking about inter-party fighting. Intra-party, yeah. No, I, I mean, the moderates are all for this. It's the, it's the most conservative Democrats who are, who are, you know, to some extent maybe uh, resisting it. But here's the thing. Uh, I'm not mad at anybody. <laughs> I mean, I support Joe Biden's agenda, and I'm bound and determined to help him get it through in a fulsome way. And I feel sure that we will get it done. We don't have an artificial deadline on passing this infrastructure bill. We're going to do it. And what we need to do, the, the problem that's more, the, the part of it that's more of a problem to solve is, how, what are we going to come to agreement on on the Build Back Better part? And you know what, Joe Matthew, that's the part that has the more immediate assistance and the more immediate funding for the American people. And it also includes serious infrastructure. For example, tens of billions of dollars for school construction to yeah. help rebuild our crumbling schools. That's good jobs, union jobs. But you've got moderates threatening to sink the reconciliation bill if they don't get the infrastructure bill. And speaking of, yes, intra-party fighting, that's that's a problem for Democrats. Yes. Well, so I think since there's a this is what I would simply submit to you, since we all pretty much agree, agree yes. on the infrastructure bill, let's work out our differences and pass the Build Back Better Act in a way that we can all agree on. And then the infrastructure bill will sail right through. And that's a good way to get them both done. Obviously, some of us uh, progressives, really most of the of the party, feel like, how do you trust the Senate? Look, Joe Manchin mm-hmm. voted for, Kristen Sinema voted for the $3.5 trillion budget resolution. Then they turn around and say, oh, we were kidding. We It can't be half that big. So wait. And then Joe... Joe Matthew, there's just the, the, the process point, right? In the House, when we have passed bills through our committees, as we did, we marked up our parts of Build Back Better. They yeah. go to the Budget Committee. You know what the final thing is going to be. In the Senate, right, the way they do things, even when it gets to the floor, they have those Voterama sessions where it could change completely. Exactly. So- so we're up against the time here. I, but just, I love the way you say my name, Congressman. I wish I had told you my middle name. I have, there are three biblical names. Joe, Michael, Matthew. He's not with us anymore. Andy Levin. I love you for it. Congressman from Michigan, Democrat. A little sense of what's going on inside the party. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. That's Joe Matthew to you. And thanks for being with us on Bloomberg Sound On. I just love that. Listen to the congressman all day. And many thanks to the congressman, Andy Levin, for being with us. He made a little bit of news here. If you were just with us, you heard the Democrat from Michigan, a progressive, say that he does not see an infrastructure vote happening tonight. And that would be consistent with progressives we've heard from today, including the chair of the Progressive Caucus in the House. We're 
joined by the panel as we reassemble for our final block here, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. I know you were both listening to that conversation. Jeannie, do you, you think there'll be a vote after what you just heard? Joe, Matthew, that is what I've got to call you from now on. I love it. Um, You know, I I do not think there will be a vote. And if there is, you've got to imagine that she's either struck some deal. Some Republicans have decided they're going to buck their uh, their leader or, you know, she has struck deals. And the numbers just don't add up either that or she goes against her own public and private promise not to hold a vote without it. So I, I was not surprised when Representative Levin said they wouldn't hold to vote likely i am surprised that she continues to suggest they might mm-hmm. which you know you can't bet against nancy pelosi maybe she's got something up her, up her sleeve but i just can't mm-hmm. imagine at this point what it might be heard a lot about her whipping skills over the last uh, couple of weeks here rick you know a lot about them too is she just going member by member right now trying to figure out if this is possible uh, absolutely. She's got her whip list and she's got her leadership out there uh, twisting arms. Uh, I, I think the the interview you did, Joe Matthew, with uh, Andy Levin was really interesting because he's not a part of the squad, right? right I mean, like, that's right. She's beat the squad every time they've had an impasse. And, and so her record is unblemished. She can beat the squad. But when other progressives, and I wouldn't even say Andy's a liberal, he's a progressive, when he isn't willing to walk the plank for the yeah. speaker, I think she's she might have a problem. Maybe she's got, as Jeannie said, uh, Shanzano, uh, a, uh, a, an ability to pull some of these Republican votes. Maybe her count is higher than a dozen. But um, I, I think it's like, you know, showdown at OK Corral tonight. I can't wait to see when the revolvers come out. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if it's not tonight, it's going to be a working weekend. It sounded like when we heard from Jen Psaki a little bit earlier at the White House. We're open. Uh, he's available. Uh, he's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. So the weekend's a little bit away. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, this is the president's top priority right now. Jeannie, he brought uh, ice cream bars to the congressional baseball game last night. I had a mole at the game. I was actually watching it on TV like so many. It got, they make it so easy now. To see Nancy Pelosi working the phones in the stands while Joe Biden's handing out ice cream bars in the dugouts. I mean, is this what it's come to? Those better be some really good ice cream (laughs) bars so he can get these people whipped into shape. Um, It has come to that. You know, I give him credit. One of the things we remember we heard often about his uh, Democratic predecessor, Barack Obama, was he didn't do enough of that sort of cajoling and, you know, the sort of visits and, you know, meetings, um, you know, and sort of hanging out, if you will. Joe Biden does that. He seems to love to do it. But I don't think it's going to be enough. You know, I don't think we reflect often on the fact that what the Democrats are trying to do, you know, even at the low three point five trillion dollars is an enormous, enormous change to the structure of our system and the amount of spending we've ever even imagined in the United States. You know, the last infrastructure bill passed was very, very much short of $1 trillion. So you imagine that, and they're trying to push this through, and they simply don't have the numbers like an FDR or an LBJ did. I was looking today. LBJ had $196 
votes to spare in wow. some years when he was in office. L, you, you know, that FDR, rather, LBJ, 155 at the high. Nancy Pelosi <laughs> is dealing with almost nothing in terms yeah. of a margin, and Chuck Schumer has absolutely zero. So they're trying to fit, you know, something enormous with very little margin, and that is, you know, a really, really difficult thing to do, as we all know, and <laughs> makes it almost impossible to imagine they can get it done in the next day or so. Rick, it makes me picture Joe Biden, you know, walking the walking the halls of the White House at night, looking up at the portraits. Lyndon, I only have three to work with. But I understand, uh, to be clear, they were Dove vanilla ice cream bars dipped in milk chocolate that he they would have special wrapper with the White House, the presidential seal on it. I guess it didn't move a lot of people, Rick. So, so what do you do? You take the ice cream out and put the uh, fancy wrapper in your pocket? I don't uh, you know. know. You know someone did. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, look, I mean, if they weren't gluten-free, they probably didn't appeal to the Progressive Caucus. Oh. Um, look, I, I, think the most, I think the most amazing thing right now is that, that you have this release of this agreement to start the budget resolution between Joe Manchin and Chuck Sumer. It says very clearly, here are the things I'm willing to do. It was signed in July of 20... July 28th, uh, earlier this summer. And like, we've now spent two months talking about something that was a, already been decided. He has a top line number. It was always 1.5. He has right. a list of, of policies that he's willing to vote for. And we have to believe the president knew this that whole time, right? Well, I, he had to know it. Person. Pelosi had to know it. Schumer yeah. had to know it. And we've had this charade that all of a sudden that, you know, the emperor has no clothes. I mean, they've known about this. This was not a secret. And they've kept it secret because they couldn't get anybody else to go along with this number. And so I got to tell you, I'm sure the squad is up in arms when they saw this today and said, oh, mm -hmm. my God, we've been tooled all along. They kept saying they'd be for 1.5. And there's a signed document saying if we can get started on this at 1.5, you know, they, 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 then, then we'll get started on reconciliation. So I, I think there's a lot of recrimination, and that may affect the vote tonight. Uh, people if probably aren't in the best vote or in yeah. the best mood. And yeah, I think you're right, Joe Matthew. I don't think Nancy <laughs> Pelosi takes a vote unless it's a vote to win. Is that fair, uh, Jeannie, an emperor with no clothes? I mean, as, Nan as, as Nancy Pelosi, indeed, but also Jen Psaki says from the White House, this is a negotiation. Sure, he started there. Maybe he'll move. You know, I don't know if I'd say a nipper without any clothes, but I would say, again, questions about the strategy back to this summer. I mean, we can't forget that the administration, the president stood up and claimed a sort of victory as this bipartisan bill passed and then linked the two together. And that, to me, knowing what we know now about that top line number, I think there are a lot of questions to ask about that strategy. The other fascinating thing about this is you're still hearing progressives and moderates both both claim they are doing Joe Biden's bidding. And I think at some point the administration is going to point. have to answer who's bidding, who's really doing the bidding. Is it the progressives or the moderates? Because it can't be both because they are too far apart on this thing. He hasn't wanted to say that publicly, but he's at least going to have to make that clear at some point. I think there, there's a lot there, uh, Jeannie. What do you think about that, Rick? Is it time for Joe Biden to come out and plant the flag somewhere on this? I mean, he is known as the moderate the old moderate who spent so many years in the Senate, but he's got a progressive economic agenda that the squad thinks they're moving forward. Yeah, I think Jeannie's spot on. I, I think what's missing here is leadership from the White House. I mean, you got to you got to pick where you're going to land. Uh, the one fundamental thing about politics in Washington is you got to know who your friends are and you got to know who's on the opposite side. And he refuses to take that 
make that choice. And, and then nothing happens. And that's what we're seeing right now. Nothing happening until he says, this is what I want. And I want the leadership in Congress, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to get it for me. They're not going to be able to move beyond where they are today. There could be more meetings. We understand the president, as you just heard from Jen Psaki, willing to go anywhere, willing to entertain anyone. Is, is it going to be a, a burning of the midnight oil at the White House then instead of the House, Jeannie? It, it could be. You know, Kristen Cinema. I'm not sure. I think we've lost count how many times she seems to have That's visited true. the White House. She's ready I'm to not move sh- in. She's ready to move in. I'm not sure what has come of that. Um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, we could be seeing um, the president potentially go up to the hill at some point. But again, the president is going to have to be clear. Does he want a win on this bipartisan bill? He ran as a moderate. He ran saying he was going to reach across the aisle. And you know what? He did that in the Senate. And the problem has been this coupling together and giving the progressives room to say, we're not going to go for that. So I think he is going to have to stand up and say, this is at least tell his members, this is what we need to do. We've got to get a victory on the table if we're going to live to fight another day. And we still haven't seen him do that yet. Would it matter as as, as a creature of the Hill, Rick Davis, you can go ahead and take a drink. Would it matter if President Biden went up there in person? And started talking publicly to members or private well, it, for that matter. It's probably too late for the House vote if there's going to be one tonight. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the drama, the president of the United States, you know, going up to his old haunt in the Senate uh, or in the House. Uh, and I think that's the point Jen Psaki was making is that he is actually prepared to do just about anything it takes. The question is, you know, what is that strategy? Is he trying to get Manchin to cave or is he trying to get the rest of the squad to get closer to where Manchin is. Right now, they've just let everybody go their own way. I mean, I'm fascinated by all these meetings with Kristen Cinema over at the White House. I mean, mm-hmm. she must be getting like free hot dogs and, you know, French fries. It's I the mean, dove bars, I don't know. It's the dove bars. <laughs> and 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 so so like what's happening there? I mean, usually that actually has an impact. They walk out. What senator doesn't go on the South Lawn and have a press conference How after meeting that? with the president? Right. You know, where's the stakeout? Right. So so I think that this this what they're doing now is not working and it's evidenced by today and it's going to be evident by um, uh, the lack of progress on a reconciliation bill in the coming weeks. And so the president himself, as Jeannie Shanzano has already remarked, has to get out there and put his own politics on the line. Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano. I'm Joe Matthew. And thanks to Andy Levin for being with us, Marsha Blackburn, for the fastest hour in politics. I learned a lot, and I still don't know what's going to happen tonight. So stay here on Bloomberg Radio. I'll meet you back here this time tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.